You may be seated. I cannot think of a greater song to stand up here and begin to preach to. I, uh, as we continue part two of the full armor of God, dressing for battle, I cannot help but give a recap. I got to thinking of this song. And, and what I tried to impress upon everyone last week was when Paul would say, finally, after all that's been done, Christ's death, your life, everything that you have been renewed through Him, finally stand strong in the Lord. And I give the illustration of what it meant to stand in the Lord. And I, and I give you two examples of understanding when we're dressing for battle, we have got to be a participant, but the battle is God's. And, and I give the example of David before Goliath. How he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that blasphemes the name of God? I'll fight him. And it wasn't about who was big and who was little, but a man willing to be an obedient follower stood forth and let God do the battle. And I told you about Jehoshaphat when he was threatening to be uh, uh, invaded by Ammon, and, 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 and he cries out to God, we are outnumbered, but yet I will trust in you. And God did the battle. You see, the thing that I'm trying to reiterate, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Three months ago, I was given this plaque. To put on my desk, it says, stand firm. And on the back, it says the same thing. Not only does it point to the people that come in to see, I will do my best to stand on the principle and the power of Jesus Christ in all aspects of my being. For He alone is worthy to be praised. But not only to show you that, but to remind me that the verse 1 Corinthians 15.53, Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Stand and stand firm. You see, this morning as we'll begin to get in the armaments that you are to dawn, I must reemphasize to you that when I get up every morning to go to work, I am an industrial technician, electrician by trade. And every morning I'll put on my FRC, my safety pants, my shirt. I have what I call my tweeter in my pocket to check for voltage. And I have different things, my safety shoes, that I don to protect me. Now, I believe that I do my job safely. And I try to do the best I can. But that protection is on me. I still got to have enough common sense that what I do keeps me from getting hurt. Okay. I have protective equipment, but I have to be a participant in the action that I will not get hurt. Now listen, this is what I'm telling you this morning. I want everybody to grasp this. Just like I said last week where he says, be strong in the Lord, you have got to be an obedient participant in this battle. But let God fight it for you. You see, we can't sit on the bleachers and watch the ball game. 
we got to be participants. But if you're in the Lord, not yet I, but through Christ in us, there is deliverance. Please stand as we read the Word of God. Again, Ephesians 6, 10-18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers of darkness, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the, the evil in the day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Amen and amen, and you may be seated. We'll be focusing on verse 13 and 14. Stand firm. Three times this is Paul has said this, which I cannot help, but as we're thinking about the armor, I go back to a battle that happened many years ago between the Spartans and Leonidas and against the Persian army. will be known as the 300 of Thermopylae. In Thermopylae, the, Persian the Persians are invading. But there was a pass at Thermopylae, which was the only way they could get through. The Spartans say, we're going to stand and fight. And then with a few other Greeks, they stood their ground for several days. And it was impenetrable because they stood as one unit battling the Persian army until one betrayed them and said there's a pass behind them and attacked them from the rear. But I want to tell you something, if we all had this attitude, as Leonidas is preparing to die, they said, Sir, their numbers of arrows among the Persian will darken the sun. He said, that's good. My men love to fight in the shade. Let me tell you something. Whatever we may face, it may be greater than you can imagine, but praise God we go into battle with a Savior. Amen? He says, stand firm. Stand firm, which means this. The actual uh, 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 Greek here is in the aorist imperative. And that's a fancy way to say it is a command right away to stand erect and in position. Always being ready to give and prepare for battle. That is what he's saying, stand firm. I think a lot of times, as I discussed last week, that we underestimate spiritual warfare. We get afraid of that word. And we're afraid to understand that, look, people are people. But it's not people you're fighting against. It's the work of Satan. And Satan uses people. And he will use situations to try to crumble you. But God has a remedy. First and foremost, stand in me. Okay, you stand firm in me, but you're going to be a willing participant in this battle, and I'm going to show you what armor to put on. Oh, my favorite part. He says in chapter 6, verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. Girded your loins. 
You see, what he is talking about is a belt. And he's using an application as Paul is in Roman uh, captivity, if you will. He is talking about the Roman soldiers would wear a girdle. Now I want you to understand this ain't the one that you're thinking about today. Because understand what they had was a piece of garment that you do not see, but was the foundation for the most valuable things that were around him. You see, the girl would protect from the mid-thigh, the midsection, and this part of the stomach. Now underneath this, again, you would not see it, but the very purpose of his existence was to give you a foundation in which to attach all your other armaments for battle. You see, it was your baseline. He tells you to girdle yourself, to prepare your loins for battle. I want to give you another understanding. You see, not only did this girdle hold things, but the Romans and people of this time wore what was called tunics. Okay, tunics were long robe-like instruments that, or clothing that went down to below the knee. So when he's talking about girding your loins, what he is saying is, take your tunic up, tuck yourself in the belt, freeing your body of movement, and get ready to fight. Guys, I want to end just, just to encourage you today that if you are a born-again believer in Christ, we live in a world that hates you. They hate you. They hated Christ. If you are fascinated in the world of the world and the world is fascinating and loves you, you're not in Christ. There's no negotiation with that. Oh, here he goes last week. He's going to drive this home. I sure am because I want you to understand. You're either of Christ or you're against Christ. You're either of Christ or you're of the world. There's no in-betweens. You can't have a little bit of each. You think you have a little bit of each? You have a whole lot of lostness. There must be those that are in Christ. But let me encourage you, as I said last week, there is no easy battlefield on this world. Satan will throw everything that he has at you. You may get marred. You may get wounded. But I can assure you, when you have girded yourself with the belt of truth, what is that truth? It's the words of God and it's the words and work of Jesus Christ. That is the truth. And there's nothing more powerful to be girded with And he says this first. Why? Because the foundation of our belief is the Word of God. Period. Already getting thirsty. It's five minutes in. Listen to me. I want you to listen to me, please. If you're a born again believer in Christ, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. As I've said oftentimes before, as I heard many years ago, just like the children of Israel before the furnace and King Nebuchadnezzar, you either headed toward a furnace, you're in a furnace, or you're coming out of one. There's no in-between. Chad, I'm not in no furnace, but if you're a Christian, you'll be in one soon. And some of you are going crawling. I'm just coming out of it. That's okay. But with the armor that Christ gives you, he'll give you enough to battle for one more day. Are you in Christ? We have to be obedient. Obedient participants in this battle. You see, Christ is walking with us. He's walking and using us through His power, through His Spirit. 
He will lead us into the battlefield. But you have to be a participant. You might get whooped. There might be a few battles you get scarred up. But let me tell you something. Praise Jesus. God has won the war. And there's greater power than knowing when I go into battle that Christ fights with me. But I'm not going to lie to you. When we talk about the truth, this is what I shared this morning. We've been going through theology in our Sunday school class. And I believe, and with all my heart, and I want everybody to hear me good this day, I believe the damage that is going through our congregations today, we're reaping the results of weak theology. We're reaping it. That God exists for your happiness. Everything exists for your happiness. Everything's about your happiness and it's 100% all godly, ungodly. As Paris Reedhead said, does God want us to be happy? Sure, but as a byproduct and not a prime product. The chief end of all things is to the glory of God, period. And there's times when we go into this battle that we notice that people give and succumb to their injuries because they don't hold on to the Word and the belt of truth. You see, the Word of God is the belt that you should don that holds everything together and everything else attached to it. If you have foundation, if you have no foundation, you have nothing in which to build your building. Do you study the Word of God? Are you in love with the Word? Do you read, and, and, and not only do you learn the truth of spoken words of God, but you learn about the person in the work of Christ. That He who gave you what you did not deserve, and you can never repay that debt, you can never repay it. For he paid at Calvary a debt he didn't owe because you owed a debt you couldn't pay. But yet through his grace and mercy, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And the Bible tells us that when we are saved, listen to me, not only did he save us, he will sustain us through whatever we go through. But we have to be obedient, willful participants in the battle of this life. Yes, Chad, I know the truth. I believe Jesus, his words. But sometimes the battles get tough. You don't understand. I have never claimed to know anybody's needs or know everybody's needs or everybody's circumstances. I, I, I can't fathom why some people go through more than others. But let me tell you a story. Have there been times that I have felt like giving up? Yes. Been in the ministry for 23 years. And times get tough. It's the battles that people don't see that happen outside the church. You know what I'm talking about? When that phone's going... <laughs> and you want to minister to every need and you can't. You want to fix every hurt and you can't. You want to ignore every complaint, but you can't. You sit beside dying saints, lost people who will not hear because their eyes have been closed to the or ears have been closed to the truth. And it breaks your heart. You see children that leave this earth. 
You see adults that leave this earth. You see people's body racked with sickness. You see spiritual oppression. You see things and you see how church people can be and you want to run. Yes, the battle's been tough. But I want to read you a passage about a man named Jeremiah. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Oh, what a call. Then I said, Alas, Lord, go, God. Behold, I do not how to speak because of my youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out His hand and He touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to a second time saying, What do you see? And I said, A boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, One of the north, out of the north, the evil will break forth on all inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families and the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they will come and they will set each of you on his throne in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. Oh, that's got meaning. And against all the walls round about and all against the cities of Judah. And I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness, whereby they have forsaken me and have offered sacrifices to other gods, and they have worshipped the works of their own hands. Now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will dismay you before them. As Jeremiah is called by God to go out of the ministry, they, some of you probably sitting here has been called by God too. And let me tell you something. Don't let this world intimidate you. You go on the power of Jesus Christ because He is worthy. We're so afraid sometimes to stand up for what we think is right. And I'm going to be honest with you people. Listen to me. There's been times where I wanted to take off that belt and lay it down. But I'm going to tell you what happened. God in His infinite grace and mercy because of His Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God that lives within me, says get up and fight some more. So all the devil wants to do, as David Wilkerson says, is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't serve anymore. And you'll sit and watch television and your whole family will go to hell. Where's the strength, people? Yeah, I've wanted to lay it down. There's never been a time that I want... I know what God has said. I know what God has done. And maybe some of you are the same way. But let me tell you what happens. Jeremiah finds himself at the gate of Jerusalem and in bondage and in torture. And he says this, Oh Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. Oh, how many times I've thought that. That I've gone out there and said, God, boy, haven't you just done this great my thing? That you'd put me in this situation. Who do you think you are? 
He says, you have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long and they mock me. Do you realize that when you love Christ, this world will mock you? They will mock you for your faith. They will mock you for their, your life. They will make fun of you. And this is a battle you will face. Listen to me. If you're not being tested and tried as a believer, listen to me, I'll say it like I said last week, then you need to reevaluate your life. Because the world is not fascinated with you if you're a believer. They hate you. And Jeremiah says, you called me? You called me to preach this word? And look what he says in 20. I have become a laughing stock. Everyone mocks me. Listen, for each time I speak, I cry aloud and I proclaim violence and destruction because for me the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say I will not remember him or speak of him anymore, then in my heart becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding on, holding it in, and I cannot endure it. Do you hear that? Then in the midst of the laughing, in the midst of the struggle, he said, but down in the middle of my bones, there's a burning fire that tells me, get up one more round. Guys, girls, I want you to be encouraged. We have people among us that are struggling with a lot of things. We have people among us that are going to the mission field. And I think of so many times, I think of my son who will be leaving to go to another nation that it bothers me. As a father, like I've said before, I will not see him. I won't know what all he will be doing, but there's no greater place to be than the hands of Jesus. You hear me? But what I've come to this conclusion is, I pray with all my heart that he don't get frustrated and want to give up either. Because there's been times I have been mocked at, I have been laughed. Even in this place that we call America, that everybody loves everybody, that we've been made fun of because of our faith in Jesus Christ, where people call us fools, and it hurts our feelings. But it's like I told you before, if the mission field was so easy, there wouldn't be so many unchanged places in the world, because all the easy places are taken. I didn't say it, David Platt did, but I'll tell you this. Even in the midst of my misery, when I'm to gird my loins, there's a fire that burns down deep in my bones that can't be quenched. And I can tell you this. They may, my, they may mock us. They may laugh at us. But I will tell you this. God never promised you wealth. He never promised you health. He never promised you anything other than He is worthy alone and enough. Christ is enough. He's enough. And listen to me, I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. I do not grace the waters that Jeremiah walked upon or walked through. I'm not Peter, I'm not Paul. I'm not anybody special. I am what I am by the grace of God. You know, I think it funny that sometimes, as I've said before when we was going through Revelation, that we like to compare ourselves to biblical figures. Revelation chapter 4 tells me that when they were standing before the throne of God, John began to cry because there was nobody worthy to take the seal. But Jesus said, I'll take it. 
I want you to think about this. All the people that were standing before the throne, Matthew, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Abraham, nobody said a word. Because even in their own greatness, it didn't measure up to the greatness of God. That's who we serve, people. That's who we serve. Gird up your loins and get ready to fight. You see, I know that I'm not the greatest person in battle. I've never had to wear armor. I've had to fight a few times, and I've lost a few. I look at Paul. You know, the Bible tells us, I think as one evangelist said, you know, Paul was in a lot of fights. The Bible never says he won any of them. But the man could take a punch. And that's because he was girded by the power of God and truth. That truth that you have is all you need for this world. God has given us everything in his word. It is God-breathed. And it's enough. And I believe, like I said before, I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. By no means. But I believe there's even those standing here today that God has called you to something greater. What's holding you back? Not every one of us are called to be preachers or teachers, but we're all called to be missionaries. Wherever we may be, whether it's live, work, or play, wherever it may be, God has called us to spread the word of His Son, Jesus Christ. Gird up your loins and fight like a man and woman. Chad, they won't listen. It's not up to them to listen. It's up to God to soften their heart. But it's up to you to share the words. The truth, not only the words of Christ, but the words about Christ. Listen, we was talking this morning about omnipotence and omnipresence and transcendence and eminence. Those are big words. Let me tell you what they mean in a nutshell. That God is greater than you. He created all of this for His glory. He's with you. He's far from you. He's wherever He needs to be at any time because He's God and you're not. That's who He is. He wasn't created in Chad's image. We were created in His. In His truth, which is His Word, is unmovable. People say today in the church, oh, the church needs to adapt to culture. That's the problem. Because the church is adapted to the world instead of the world adapting to the Word of God. We've turned the gospel into six flags over Jesus where everything is just great and peachy, if we'll just look. If our desire ever to be at this church or any other church to bring people in to entertain them, then it's time we shut our doors. Because this is not a place of entertainment. This is a place where we come to worship Jesus Christ, who alone is worthy to be worshipped. And we hold to His Word. His Word is immovable. Chad, cultures have changed. God hasn't. Ray Steadman tells a story of two battleships that were in the sea and uh, the rough was, the weather was so rough that one of the well, officers on deck said, Captain, there's a light coming. He says, is it movable or immovable? He said, it's immovable, which get, lets them know that, wait a minute, there's a battleship headed right toward our path. We're on the same path, we're going to collide. So the captain tells him, he says, this is, this battleship, you need to change your course, course. 20 degrees. The other person radioed back says, you need to change your course 20 degrees. Captain said, I am a captain. You need to change your course 20 degrees. The man said, I'm a petty officer, second class, and you need to change your 
course, 20 degrees. That captain became infuriated and said, You don't understand. I'm a captain of a battleship. And that young man came back and said, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> captain moved. God's word is immovable. It will not be shaken. We're shaken, but God's word is not. His truth is immovable. Look what he says. Girded your loins with the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was made of bronze. It covered the chest and the heart because the heart was the center of the man. That which the armor pierces and will kill the quickest. But he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now take into consideration the breastplate latched to the belt. So he says, put on this that you protect your heart. The breastplate of righteousness. Protect your heart with righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means that you live a life worthy of Christ. Not by your own power, but by His. See, righteousness not only means being justified. See, here's the thing with salvation. We all got to grasp this. What justification is, is when God looks at you and He looks at His Son, Jesus Christ, because of your faith and trust in Him, God says, not guilty. That's justification. You are not worthy to be saved. Well, I'm special. Let me tell you something. Even in your best days, your righteousness is but filthy rags. There's none of us greater than anybody. Well, that person's worse than I am. Goes back to an echo of Isaiah 29. Jesus says very clearly in Matthew, For you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. As he would throw out that warning to Jerusalem, Isaiah would, Jesus reiterates the fact. You can say you love me, but if your life does not reflect me, then you don't love me. Not only are you girding yourself with the Word of God, you are covering your chest with the righteousness of God. And when you were saved, you were justified. Because I want you to think about this. Let me tell you how unworthy we are. Okay? Now... If I, and I've used this example, but I, I hope I drive this home that everybody have a clear understanding. If I go before a judge and I've committed this heinous crime, murder, whatever it may be, and I went up to that judge and I said, oops, I'm sorry. And that judge looks at me and says, man, you're right. You're forgiven. Have a good day. That's a sorry judge, isn't it? We have got to stand before a holy, righteous God. And we have nothing to say. People will say, Chad, what are you going to say when you get to heaven? There's nothing I can say, but fall at the feet of Jesus and give him the praise. Because I am unworthy. 
but we're justified because Christ, while we were yet sinners, died for us. Okay? Which means grace, unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it, but God in His mercy, His infant grace and mercy, looks at His Son Jesus and looks at you and He says to you, not guilty, not by you, but by Him. That's salvation. And you were justified. You were made righteous. But what Paul is sitting here telling us about righteousness, not only have you been justified, the righteousness he's talking about in context is are you being sanctified? What does that mean? That means conforming to the image of Christ. Do you die daily? Does your life reflect Jesus? Salvation's not a one and done. It's a lifelong thing, people. You say, what do you mean Jesus died once for our sins and we're saved? Does your life reflect Him? And we don't get saved and go, okay, God, thank you for that tidbit. I'm going to live the rest of my 20 years in hell. Have a good day and thank you. Jesus said we must be born again. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, when you're saved, you change. Amen? But here's the thing. Your life will reflect change. You see, just like that, Roberts sung the song, uh, How Firm a Foundation, Prone to Wonder, Lord, I Feel It. See, the human nature that it is in us is sinful, but Christ through His Holy Spirit is greater than that. And not only has He saved us by His power, He sustains us and we Follow Him. We have our faith in Him. We read about Him. We read about His works. We see what God has done. And we rejoice and grow in that daily. That's sanctification. Conforming to the image of Christ. Amen? It's a daily work. It's not a one and done. That is one of those things, like I've said before, that has crept into the church. This is all i got to do is believe and everything's good. And what we have done is use God to, as God as an ends to a means to make us happy when we die. Let me tell you something. God is worthy no matter what. He is worthy. And we're to follow Him with every aspect of our being until we leave this earth and our life should reflect it. Why should we put on that breastplate of righteousness? I'm going to tell you why. Several reasons. Number one, I know I need to walk Christ with Christ daily because I can't compete with evil without Him. And let me give you a secret. You can't either. You're nothing without Christ. As the song goes, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. We need Christ daily, continually. We need Him in all aspects of His being. We need to wake up in the morning let me back up a minute. My grandfather used to have a thing that he did. Every single morning, he'd wake up. He'd sit on the side of his bed before he dressed and said, God, thank you for giving me another day. And Lord, let me live to serve you every day. Having the attitude that, God, I'm willing to be a participant in this battle. But God, you have got to hold the battle for me. 
And he had put on his armor every day. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, listen. Every one of us should have that same attitude. That we get up and say, God, you have saved me. He has. And Lord, I need this sustenance as I go through this world. You know, it's funny, a lot of us, or most of us, probably don't live, live or work around a Christian environment. You're going to see people act horrible. What makes it worse is when Christians act horrible. But listen to me. Christ never promised you a bed of roses. How will they know if they don't hear the word? You say, Chad, you don't know what I listen to. Them people are horrible at work. Lost people act like lost people. They're acting like they're supposed to act. That man lives like hell. Well, he's supposed to. You know why? You don't know Christ. Lost people act like lost people. But when they are changed by the power of God, there's a difference. Not only do we need to clothe ourselves in that breastplate of righteousness that we try to strive to pursue holiness in everything that we do because it protects us. It also protects our testimony in front of others. Listen to me, please. Borrowed this from a pastor many years ago, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. There's two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one, they say they had never seen one, or number two, they say they have. You see, I want you to understand that our testimony can take years to build and only a second to destroy. And the lost world is always looking for you to make that mistake so they can go tell others of the lost world. And what do they do? They turn deaf ears. Why? Because if that's the way a Christian lives, why would I want to have any part of it? That breastplate of righteousness is not only that justifying assurance that we have in our life, that knowing God will lead us and protect us regardless because we are saved and preserved by Him. Do you, let me, y'all need to get excited about this. Do you realize that in Christ you're sealed? Do you know what that means? Come on, come on, look, look, look. Man, y'all need to get excited. Do you realize this? That by being sealed by the power of God, first and foremost, I want you to understand that nothing's going to happen to you that God's not going to allow. Period. Number two, being sealed means this. No matter what happens on this earth, Christ said he'd never leave me or forsake me, and one day I'm going to live eternally with him. That ought to give you excitement. I know sometimes we, especially in the Baptist church, talk about heaven. We're, are you taking a load now? To live is Christ, to die is gain. I get a little bit excited, and I'm going to tell you why. See, y'all don't know me. Thank you, do. You know what you've seen for five years, and maybe my testimony over the past 20, but she knew me. See, she's been with me for 30. See, here's the thing I want to share with everybody. I don't know y'all's lives, even though that I've known you for five years. Or some of you I've known for 30 or have known me. There's some in this church that's known me for a little longer. You how I was. But anyway, here's my point. Now listen to me. Go, go with this. Please, just for a few moments. I had a pastor. When I got married, I lied to the preacher. 
You're a Christian, absolutely. Oh yeah, love Jesus. <laughs> but yet when I got married and I went home, she knew the difference. She seen me. A man who would talk like anything you could ever imagine. I'd gamble on roaches running across the wall if I had an opportunity. I was sold out to the world because I was fascinated with it. And here we are, a young couple with a young family, and I'd rather do what Chad wanted to do rather than do what I was supposed to do as a husband. But one day, Jesus Christ got a hold of me. And I have never been the same. I stand before you today that this loudmouth preacher that you know today was a loudmouth, hell-bound sinner almost 30 years ago. I didn't run to God in my sin. I ran from Him. But praise God, yet in my unrighteousness, He reached down and said, You will follow me. And He made a difference in my life, and I've never been the same. Has He made that difference in yours? you will understand that breastplate of righteousness, that justifying faith that took you as a sinner and transformed you into something great for God by Him and faith in Him alone. And see, here's the thing. When people heard I got saved, people went, Jack, I got saved? Then the people at church went, Jack, I got saved? You see, because I had everybody fooled. I everybody fool. Yeah, I try to try fool the preacher. I fooled everybody in the hearts of the church. How'd you do that? Because my lips honored him, but my heart was far from him. You see, there's a difference. Being a Christian is not in name only. Being a Christian is all aspects of your being for the glory of God. In understanding that by being transformed by His power, my life is to live reflecting what Christ has done in me, that others may have that same hope that I do. I can't save a soul, but Christ can. And I don't want to ever do anything that would thwart somebody else from having the transformation that I have. Either you're a stepping stone or you're a stumbling block. There's no in-betweens. And if you're a stepping stone, I want you to listen to me. I don't know what your battle is today. I don't have a clue. You got me fooled. Maybe you don't want to share it. Maybe God has called you to something greater and you're so scared. Maybe you said, Chad, I don't know what I'm to do. But I know something's called me to, God has called me to something greater. I'm terrified. Let me tell you something. Put that armor on and go into battle. Maybe it might be your work. Maybe you got the worst boss you've ever seen. Maybe it's your neighbor that has a dog that you cannot stand. Or the cat that when you leave your window down, he gets in the seat or whatever. I don't know. Maybe you have relatives that despise you. Maybe you have sickness that is overcoming you. Let me tell you something. When we are based in the truth of the Word of God, there's no circumstance that is on this earth that Christ can't handle. 
And it's time we started living like that. Or are you a stumbling block? Again, you got all those fools. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Saying you're a Christian is just like justifying being on an airplane as a pilot when all you are is a passenger. Listen, people ask me why I often say this all the time. I'm going to tell you why. Because I never know who comes through those doors that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I will never give up the opportunity to share the gospel with you. Let me tell you something. Each and every one of us are born with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. Now, you may try to fill it with a lot of things. Solomon did that. And if Solomon would tell you about how all of life was horrible, everything that he knew, money, wisdom, women, he hated everything. He thought he had it all. And he, man, this life's awful. Nothing satisfied because he would say himself, for the eye is never satisfied with seeing nor the ear hearing. There's nothing materialistically on this earth that is going to bring you joy. Nothing. It may bring you a moment of happiness. But that car you have when you leave this world, somebody else will drive or somebody else will have it repossessed. Your home will belong to somebody else. There's nothing that you're going to have. Well, I want to be happy when I'm alive. Happy is an emotional response. But joy is a God-given gift. You hear me? And there's two different things. So maybe you try to strive to seek things or grab things to bring you happiness. Let me tell you right now from a man that knows personally, that's not going to be the case. Maybe you were like me, that you grew up in the church and you knew all the right answers, but your lips honored God, but your heart was far from Him. Is that you? Listen to me. I don't know when any of you are going to leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is not just believing that Jesus, it's believing in Jesus. We have misunderstood that verse. For God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. They think, well, I believe there's a Jesus. Devils also believe in Jesus and they tremble. But believing in Jesus means committing to him. It means committing to him and following him and holding on to his word, his truth. His truth. And turning from sin. You see? See the point? You either love the world or you love him. Those that turn from the world and put their faith and trust in him and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you to the end of my life because you alone are worthy. That's salvation. Where do you stand today? I said this and I'll continue to say it as long as I'm pastor here or wherever God may put me. I'd rather everybody in this place be mad at me than any of you go to hell. Do you know that if you left this world today that you'd be in the presence of Christ? Do you? Well, Chad, I did. You didn't do anything. As we often say, the only thing that we've contributed to our salvation is your sin. Christ saves you. I can't save a soul. It's not by your good works. It's not by your good deeds. It's not whether how much you give every Sunday or how much you don't. It's not whether you drink, cuss. It's not about what you do. It's not whether you attend faithfully every Sunday. It's not whether you give to the poor. 
because that follows in our own self-righteousness that is yet but filthy rags. It's not what you've done, but what Christ has done in you. In the same Jesus who died on the cross and was buried in the tomb, the same power that rose Him from the dead is alive in all you who believe and trust in Him. Does He know you? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to close in just a few moments in prayer. But I want to give you this, I think. Brothers and sisters who are my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, isn't that great? Rabbit for a minute. I've got to go on a rabbit trail. Isn't it great to know it don't matter what color you are, what nation you're from, how much money your mom and daddy have, don't it? Isn't it great? It don't matter. We're all children of God. We're family. And I don't care where you're from. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Him. You're my brother, Jew or Gentile. We're family. And what families do together is encourage one another. As we get up every morning, we don our armor. Say, God, we're willing to be the participants. And we're willing to go into battle as you lead, Lord. Help us as we go through this day as we don our armor. But you know something's good. God channels also many times saints that will go into battle with us. You see, the great thing about the battle of Thermopylae, 300 men held off an army, Persian army of over 300,000 because they had a plan and they had each other's back. God has called us all to be saints, born-again believers. You will not find that word singular. We all need one another. So God has saved us. He will sustain us. He has provided other brothers and sisters to surround us. Oh, what a mighty army we have in Jesus. Be encouraged. And whatever battle you go into tomorrow, you might get whipped a little bit. But understand, that armor protects your heart and it protects your soul. And there's a purpose why each and every one of us go through something. It's all for the glory of God. Today, if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I pray that you repent. That you turn from your sin and you turn to Him. See, that's something that people don't preach anymore is repentance. Let me tell you something. Repentance is not feeling guilty of your sin. It's turning from it. It's not feeling sorry. It's turning from it. And saying, God, only you can deliver me. And if you've made that profession of faith, welcome to the family, brothers and sisters. But if you have not made that profession of faith, I pray that God convicts your heart and you do it before it's eternally too late. I want you to think about this. I don't know how many people here, 50, 60 this morning, but there's none of us guaranteed tomorrow. We could all go out that door and leave in an instant. But you know what? Because of Jesus Christ, if I go out that door and this be my great getting up morning, I died with my armor on. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for all that you are and all you will be. God, I am unworthy. But yet, while I was a sinner, you, your son Jesus died for me. And I have never been the same. It wasn't that I had a change of attitude. It was Christ giving me a change of heart. 
Lord, I pray first and foremost, if there's a person in here that does not have a relationship with you, that you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, for those in here that I believe just like the call of Jeremiah, that God's called them something greater. That Lord, there's going to be times when you feel like giving up. That's for all of us. But Lord, I honestly believe that if we're saved, Lord, there's that power that burns down in our bones. That fire that you put in our lives. That we reach down from within and say, God, you planted this seed in me. I can't give up now. God, may we possess an urgency to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, may we be faithful. May all that come behind us find us to be faithful. God, I thank you so much that wherever we go in this world, somebody who press, uh, professes faith in Christ, they're my brother and sister. And in a world where people, people stereotype, people pick on other people, People make fun of the poor. They build up the rich. This world that we live in where billboards say, be you first. This world that has created a standard for what they call beauty. God, I praise Your holy name that beauty is found in Christ. And it doesn't matter where we've been or where we come from. We profess your son Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are family. And God, I believe with all my heart that you in your own time and way will bring this world to an end. And I believe that at the sound of your voice, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Lord, I believe that People can bow now or they can bow later, but everybody's going to bow. But God, I praise your name that even in this world that we live in, we will have trouble, but you have given us peace. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please. Mm -hmm.